I call my baby the quarantine baby. Decontaminating my office prior to pumping, then going home, stripping off my clothes and showering every day before I pick up my baby and how stressful that was. And I just look back and think, if we had had the vaccine then, maybe it would have been a, a less stressful time. Welcome to More Life. In this episode, Hartford HealthCare's Steve Coates talks with Dr. Kelly McGonigal, an OBGYN resident at Hartford Hospital, Dr. Stephanie Bacasa, an attending OBGYN at Hartford Hospital, and Dr. Adam Borgida, chief of OBGYN at Hartford Hospital. They'll be discussing COVID-19 vaccine options and recommendations for pregnant and breastfeeding women. A little background, Dr. McGonigal is 24 weeks pregnant, and Dr. Bacasa is currently breastfeeding. Both have received the vaccine. Here's Steve Coates. Doctors, thanks so much for joining me today. Waiting for the arrival of a new edition is always filled with a little bit of anxiety. Now I'm speaking as a dad, but can't even imagine the stress it can create for a new mom. Just the constant concern for your baby, every appointment, every ultrasound. So much to think about. Now in the age of COVID, I'm sure that's amplified a hundredfold. And with the eventual availability of the vaccine to all, there's another important decision. Now, the Society for Maternal Fetal Medicine and the Academy of Breastfeeding strongly recommending that women who are pregnant get the vaccine and that there is no reason to believe that it affects breast milk. I first turn to Dr. McGonigal. You're 24 weeks pregnant, about 24 weeks. Talk about what went into your decision to get the vaccine. Sure. So uh, I was really unsure at first. I felt like, as uh, we all know, there was not a lot of data regarding the vaccine in pregnancy. And the initial statements from the CDC didn't give me a lot of reassurance. Um, But then as we got a little bit more information and as ACOG and SMFM, our kind of um, guiding bodies, gave us a little bit more information and suggested that the vaccine should not be withheld in pregnancy, I thought that that was a little bit more reassuring to me. Personally, we've really taken care of a lot of very sick COVID pregnant patients, COVID positive pregnant patients, and I felt that the true risks of COVID in pregnancy outweighed the theoretical risks of the vaccine in pregnancy. And did you get Moderna or Pfizer? And where are you in terms of your doses? I got the Moderna vaccine and my second dose is next week. And how'd you feel after uh, the first shot? I know some people have experienced some mild side effects. Yeah, I felt really fine. I just had some arm soreness and a very mild headache the next day. Now I turn to Dr. Bacasa, who uh, has a one-year-old now running around the house, who made the same decision to get the vaccination and is breastfeeding. Yes. Tell me a little bit about um, how you came to that decision. So this vaccine is an mRNA vaccine, and mRNA, messenger RNA, degrades really quickly. Um, So similar to what Dr. McGonagall is, I thought the theoretical risk of this not live, not attenuated vaccine, but an mRNA vaccine, I didn't really couldn't really hypothesize what risks it would have to my baby. Um, My baby's one years old. I'm still breastfeeding. I'm not planning on stopping. There's a lot of benefits why I wanted to continue. But I work with COVID patients. I see patients every day. And it's it's been pretty stressful. And I was really looking forward to getting to getting the vaccine. So I felt like it was the safest way to go. And you got, did you get the Moderna or Pfizer? I got Pfizer and I received my second dose last, last Wednesday. And how are you feeling? feel great. I um, I think I was more nervous about it than anything. Um, so the anxiety was way worse for me than the actual vaccine. I was looking forward to maybe some allergies and a fever to have a day off, but instead I did great <laughs> and I had some arm soreness and I uh, went on with my life. And Dr. Borgita, this is, you know, for women, the stressful time, every test, as I said, every, every ultrasound. 
and this is for everybody, what are you telling patients? How, how is that conversation going? Yeah, patients have, a lot of patients, when we see them for their ultrasounds, have been asking, you know, should I get the vaccine? What are your thoughts? And I, I think, you know, we have good guidance from ACOG, from SMFM about just what these guys were thinking, the risks versus the benefits. We know the risks of COVID. We know that pregnant women are at higher risk if they get COVID for getting sicker, for getting into the ICU. Uh, the complication rate, although low, is higher than non-pregnant women. So we know the risks. Then it's the theoretical risk, as Dr. Bacchese was mentioning, of a vaccine that I really think the risks are extremely low. It's not going to travel through your body. We know it doesn't pass to the baby. In fact, we haven't really seen cases of babies born with the virus. You know, there's maybe some case reports, but so, so the vaccine is even less risky than that. So I think it's great protection for these moms where we know there's a risk and it's a theoretical risk of a vaccine. So we do a lot of vaccines in pregnancy. In pregnancy, we avoid live virus vaccines like rubella or varicella, but we give women, we can give women Gardasil, we can give women um, the hepatitis B vaccine, we can give women the Tdap vaccine. And then postpartum, once women deliver, we even give women live virus vaccines like rubella and varicella. So it's not like vaccination in pregnancy and lactation is a contraindication. It happens every day, all the time. Yeah, it's a good point. I, I point out to pregnant women about the flu vaccine. So we definitely recommend that because we know that pregnant women, if they get the flu, we know they get sicker and COVID's no different. So thinking about vaccination, it's something that we normally would recommend. I don't see this vaccination as any different. So if women are pregnant or are breastfeeding and decide not to get the vaccination, what do you tell them? Yeah, I think what, what ACOG has put out is sort of a what to talk to your patients about, the risk versus the benefit. So... You know, we know the risks. If you're a frontline healthcare worker, if you have to go out of the house and interact with people who may have COVID, we know that there's a risk. We know that if they get COVID, they're going to be sicker potentially than non-pregnant women versus are you someone that is housebound, is someone that has no contact with anyone else, someone who has no risk factors if you get COVID because we know that obesity, respiratory problems, diabetes, you're at likely to get even sicker. So if you have no risk factors, you have no exposures, well, maybe you don't need the vaccine. But for people who are on the list right now, healthcare workers who are pregnant or breastfeeding, you know, they're frontline. They probably have more risk than, than not getting vaccinated. We continue to recommend to everybody good hand hygiene, wearing a mask when you're out, social distancing, and that's regardless of whether or not you got the vaccine or didn't. But if someone was hesitant to get the vaccine, I would continue to encourage they take those protective measures. But for both of you as as a mom and soon-to-be mom, your recommendation, not as a provider, but as, as maybe a friend or a family member to someone else would be get the vaccination. I think one thing that really helped me decide too was seeing a lot of my pregnant um, friends and coworkers who are in the healthcare field um, receiving the vaccine as well. So yeah, I that would be my recommendation to any friends or family I had in the healthcare frontline. I'm happy to be the guinea pig and forge ahead and get it first and post on social media, hey, I survived, it didn't grow any horns. And I honestly would feel very relieved if my friends and family got the vaccine. Um, I want everybody to get the vaccine so that maybe at some point life can go back to normal. And I think that this is the way to, to forge ahead and do this. Are you getting questions too about infertility, the possibility and from, I mean, I'm guessing it's coming from women and coming from men. How do you address those concerns? I'll, I'll open it up. Uh, yeah. I mean, 
There is not data, but there's a lot of stuff in social media and a lot of articles and commentary on the news about this. And it's kind of like the MMR vaccine and how it caused autism. It got out there and then it was debunked, but people couldn't let it die. And this is very similar. Somebody, somebody, a scientist from that used to work at Pfizer posted about how, hey, the spike protein that the virus creates is similar to a protein in the placenta. And hey, this can cause infertility, but that's actually false. It's not true. There is a placental protein called Synictin-1, um, and then there is the, pri- the spike S protein that um, we make from the, the uh, coronavirus. This is the antibody that we make, but they're actually not the same. They're, they maybe have a similar mechanism of action, but genetically they're very, very different. And the, with technology, the vaccine is not going to recognize the protein that's in the placenta. So this theory has been widely debunked. It's been de- debunked by Pfizer. The ASRM, the um, Society for Reproductive Endocrinology, they've debunked it. Pfizer's debunked it. And scientists everywhere have said that this is false. And uh, back to the vaccination and the si- possible side effects for a second. What is your recommendation for specifically pregnant women who are experiencing some of those mild side effects. There's a theoretic concern in the first trimester if someone has a high fever that it could cause birth defects. But really, I probably wouldn't recommend it for women in the first trimester, but any time after that. But I just tell them is to take Tylenol, which is perfectly safe in pregnancy, especially after the first trimester where the baby's fully formed. So, you know, that's, that's really it, a symptomatic treatment for their side effects. But other than that, I don't have any concerns. This is for Dr. Pacesa and Dr. McGonagall, maybe a little bit out of left field, but one of your babies was born during this time. The other will be born uh, in the coming weeks. What, when you look back on COVID in these historic and unusual times, what do you think you'll tell your children when they look back, when you look back on the time uh, when they were born? Well, this is my first, so I don't really have anything to compare it to. So um, I think... Just in general, looking back on this time in 18 years or so is going to be a really interesting time to talk about and something that we're not soon going to forget. So it'll be a very interesting story to tell. I mean, I came back to work um, from maternity leave April 6th. So this virus scare really started in March. I mean, it was a little bit earlier, but really in March. It was a really scary time to come back to work. My baby, um, who's now a running toddler, has never been to daycare. He never, rarely ever leaves the house. He has a care provider come to the house. And I just remember coming to work, um, decontaminating my office prior to pumping, um, and then going home, stripping off my clothes and showering every day before I pick up my baby and how stressful that was. And I just look back and think, if we had had the vaccine then, maybe it would have been a, a less stressful time. So like, I call my baby the quarantine baby. Um, he doesn't see other kids. And um, I guess if he's socially awkward later on in life, I won't blame it on genetics. I'll blame it on his, his first year of life. Um, but, but actually, you know, I, since I did get the vaccine, I took him to um, a play place, a kid's play place on Saturday for the first time ever. And I felt a little bit more comfortable taking him out. And well, they all played with the same toys. And, um, but he was happy and it felt like the first time we did something really normal that I would have been doing, doing more often. And I felt a little bit, um, everybody was wearing masks and the play, play, the, it was limited. Um, so it wasn't like I took him to this big crowded place, but I felt more comfortable doing something normal that I wasn't gonna do before. Dr. Borgita, we're a year in or so now to the pandemic. 
Is there going to be a COVID baby boom? Are you feeling it? This is good, a good question. I think it's extremely controversial, to be honest. Um, there is some data out there saying that there's going to be a drop in births. I was on a committee meeting this morning. They were predicting a 25% drop in births over the next five years, which obviously can't all be related to COVID. But uh, there, there is some information saying we'll see less births. I'm not sure I believe that. Uh, I, I, I'm waiting to see. Um, we typically have a drop in births in November and December, and uh, we did, just like we did last year. But uh, the rest of the COVID time, we've seen an increase here at Hartford. So, you know, some of that is just changes in demographics, where people want to have their baby. Uh, but, but it remains to be seen. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen yet. It's great to have a silver lining, some good news. <laughs> during the COVID pandemic. I want to thank you all for joining us today. Thanks so much. Thanks for all you do and, and stay safe. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, Steve Coates. For more resources and information about the COVID-19 vaccines, go to hartfordhospital.org slash vaccines. For Hartford HealthCare, I'm Anne Rondepierre. Thanks for listening to More Life. I'm ready for my close-up. All the faces start to light up. You know I love this feeling. I got more life in my life. If you feel it, then you know. We can go anywhere we want to go. You're going to love this feeling. We got more life in our life. Oh, I won't stop going. No sign of slowing. Now I know it. life.